God bless you. Praise the Lord. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Yeah. I feel it. You're ready. I feel like a pop star with this radio mic. It's great. Um, praise the Lord. My name is Linford. As Pastor said, I'm the new head of City Youth. Any City Youth in the building? Woo! There's a few. It's all right. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's great to be here. It's such a privilege and an honor to be able to share with you today. I am so, I'm so blessed. Um, wow. Praise the Lord. Um, behind me, as you see, there's a little picture of me in the corner, but in the top, there's a QR code. Uh, if you scan that, it will take you through to the version app, and you can follow along with the sermon. There'll be scriptures, a few notes, and kind of as a, a, a guide, a companion as we go through the word today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm charged up and ready to go. <laughs> Just before we, we dig in, can you turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, are you squeamish? And then answer them. It's rude to not answer when someone asks you a question. <laughs> Are you squeamish? Now, me, I am not squeamish. I love to watch Dr. Pimple Popper. Any fans in the house? You know, where they squeeze out the spots and they take out like the growth and the boils or earwax extractions. Anyone else like that? No, it's just me. <laughs> they dig in the ear and pull out all the earwax. Um, no? Is it just me? Is the squeamish people in the house? I know we have a lot of medical practitioners in the house, and you guys will see a lot. Vomit, sick, poo, wee, all of it. And um, parents as well. Parents, uh, you, don't, you don't get a choice to be squeamish if you're a parent, right? You get poo done and weed on, and low, all the bodily fluids come at you all at once. I had some friends, I was talking to them, I think it was just in the week, and they were saying one of them is deathly just fearful of vomit. <laughs> And the other one is just afraid of poo. So they're a good match in heaven. So when, when one goes, they pass it to the other. And then one, when it's down the bottom, they pass it on. Why am I talking about being squeamish? It's Good Friday. And Good Friday is a day that we celebrate Jesus. Um, we remember Jesus being crucified on the cross. But a lot of times, I think we sanitize the picture of the cross. We can go into churches or museums or see stained glass windows and there's a little picture of Jesus like this. <laughs> With a little loincloth. <laughs> but in reality, it was gruesome. It was, it was horrible. It was torture. There was blood everywhere. Jesus was whipped with a cat of nine tails, which was a whip that had chunks of clay and, and stones that would have gripped into his flesh and ripped the flesh from his body. He was beaten and bruised. The bread was broken. His body was broken. It was not a pretty sight. In fact, the Bible says, uh, the, the, in the Old Testament, it says people looked away. They couldn't bear to see what was done to Jesus. It's squeamish. <laughs> it's brutal. It was torture. And we need to understand that's what Jesus took for us. And we can't look away today. But why did Jesus have to go through such a brutal torment? Why did Jesus need to be tortured? The cross, the, the Roman form of execution, which was meant to humiliate, which was meant to prolong death and to put you up there as a picture not to rebel against Roman rule. Why did Jesus have to do that? Why so brutal? Why did his body have to be ripped and his blood shed for, for us? Why did he do that? 
Now, in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, the scripture reads, it should come up, for we know that uh, we were crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so we may no longer be enslaved to sin. So Jesus went through crucifixion. He went through that torture. He went through that pain to free us from sin. So the, the price to free us from sin was that blood being shed, was him being nailed to the cross. And it's brutal, and it's gory, and it's gruesome. It's almost like a horror film. When um, uh, Mel Gibson produced The Passion of the Christ, and it is a, predi- uh, a depiction of Jesus on the cross, it was an 18, <laughs> because it was a horror story. It was horrific, and Jesus did it for us. So why did Jesus have to go through all of that? Why the blood? Why the pain? Why the nails? Well, if we look throughout Scripture, uh, there are pictures in the Old Testament and through the Bible that point to Jesus' sacrifice and help us to understand more clearly, more clearly why Jesus did what he did. And there's a particular story in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, thousands and thousands of years before Jesus was born, that gives us a picture, a foreshadowing, a little sneak preview of the cross and why Jesus had to shed his blood and be nailed to the cross. So in the book of Exodus, we have the story. I'll give a little bit of context because not everybody would know it. The Israelites are God's chosen people. They're invited into Egypt and everything's good. They're prospering, they're thriving, everybody's happy. (laughs) Uh, they're, They're growing, they've got a little bit of land called Goshen, which is their area, it's Kushti. But then uh, there's a new pharaoh in town who didn't know their ancestors, and he starts treating them badly. In fact, he enslaves them. He starts making them build bricks. He starts making them build up certain areas of, the, of Egypt. He starts whipping them and lashing them, working the fields. But in spite of all of that, they start growing. Their numbers don't diminish. God blesses them, and they don't die. They multiply. <laughs> And even more and more of the Israelites growing. And Pharaoh starts to get a little bit scared, thinking if these people keep growing, they're going to rise up and take over Egypt. So what you do, kill all the males. Uh, He's told to the midwives, kill the males. He said to his people, throw the males into the river. It was brutal. It was gory. It was horrific. The slavery imposed on the people in Egypt. The people cried out after 400 years of this slavery. They cried out, we we need to be saved. God, have you forgotten us? But the Bible says that God had heard the cries of his people in Egypt, and he sent them Moses to go and deliver them. And Moses turns up and walks in and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And he doesn't. (laughs) And in fact, things start to get worse for the Israelites. They used to have to make bricks and they'd use straw to make the bricks. But then Pharaoh says, now, nah, because of this Moses geezer and all the trouble he's causing, take away the straw. So they have to make bricks without straw. He doubled or tripled their own workload. And I just feel today that um, sometimes we can get comfortable in situations that the Lord hasn't called us to be in. We get used to it. We get familiar with it. And even though it's not quite right, we can put up with it. And even though, you know, we know it shouldn't really be here. I shouldn't really be with these particular friends. I shouldn't really be doing this but we get used to it, we get, we get comfortable and familiar. And sometimes the Lord causes a little bit of a shaking, a little bit of a stirring. He makes us uncomfortable to realize we shouldn't be in that place where we are. Amen? 
And I just sense today that God is shaking and stirring someone's heart. He's giving you a little bit. Maybe you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe situations around you that you used to be able to do and feel familiar in. Uh, but God today is, maybe even through this word, is shaking and stirring you and, and turning up the heat a little bit to help you to be able to move. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. So Moses comes along. Pharaoh says no. So God now has to send 10 plagues to demonstrate his power over the gods of Egypt, to demonstrate to Pharaoh he's not messing around, and to bring deliverance to his people. So we know the plagues, there's locusts, there's flies, there's blood in the Nile, there's uh, uh, boils, there's gnats, there's darkness, there's all these, all the nine plagues. But the tenth plague, this is the kicker, number ten, was the one that did it. The tenth plague was the death of the firstborn son. So Moses told the people, God is sending the tenth plague. And at this particular time, the angel of death is going to enter into Egypt. And the firstborn, the firstborn male of every household, even of the animals, was going to pass away. And that was the judgment on Egypt for their treatment of the Israelites. That was God sending judgment and also to bring deliverance to his people. But he said, he gave a specific instruction to the Israelites to keep them safe from this plague. So we read in Exodus chapter 12, verse 22. Moses commanded them to take a, a, a bush, bushel of hyssop and to paint, to kill a lamb and to use the blood of the lamb to paint the doorpost and the lintel of the house. I have a quick uh, prop here to help me to demonstrate. Bear with me. Whenever I use props in sermons, they always go wrong, but help me today, Lord. So he's a killer lamb. Take the blood of the lamb, which is gory, which is brutal. Take the blood of the lamb and smear it on the doorposts and on the lintel of your house. Then when the angel of death comes, it will pass over you and you and your family will be safe. Amen? Amen. So because of the blood on the doorpost, on the lintels, because of the gruesome death of the lamb and the gruesome punishment that was coming passed over the Israelites, and ultimately it led to their release from captivity. Uh, they were instructed to cook the lamb, to eat it, to drink wine, and that was the first Passover, which is what Jesus was celebrating that night before he died, and that we remember as well when we take the Lord's Supper and communion. So what does this, <laughs> what does killing lambs, Death of firstborn, the Egypt uh, slavery, what's that got to do with us? I hear everybody asking that question. <laughs> See confused faces in the crowd, and there's a few people like, oh, I know. Well, that picture of Israel, God's people, who he loves, in Egypt, in bondage, in slavery, is a picture of us, of humanity. It's a picture, uh, a metaphor of God's loved people, trapped and enslaved in sin. In John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. If you do it, you don't just do it, it controls you. And Romans 3, verse 23 reminds us that all have sinned. <laughs> Every single one of us, everyone is guilty and have fallen short of the glory of God. So that picture 
of the Israelites in, in captivity, they've lost their identity because they're slaves. They're supposed to be God's royal people, but they're being treated as slaves. They've lost their hope for the future. They've got no future. All their future, all they know is bricks and mortar and whips and chains. They don't know who they are, and they've got nothing, no life to look forward to. And they're crying out for freedom. That's us in sin. No identity, no hope. And there's a longing inside of us for freedom. There's a longing inside of us for something more that God shaped whole. But there's something inside of humanity that yearns, that knows there's more than this. There's something more than this. This life, what I'm in, what's going on, there must be more. So from the outside, you'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm not a slave. How, how am I a slave? I'm free. But it's invisible chains on the inside. So let's quickly just define what is sin. In the New Testament, the word that's used mainly, well, often for sin is hamartia, which has two meanings, which means to miss the mark. So like you have a bow and arrow and you're aiming for a target and you go that way. <laughs> you miss the mark. Or to wander off the path, to, to err from commandments, to move from the right way and do your own thing. So God sets his standard all throughout scripture to show us his heart, his character, who he is, what he thinks we should do, how we should live. And very, very often, we do the opposite thing. <laughs> so God says, do this, and we're over here. That's hamartia. God says, do this. And we, we ignore him and pretend that we don't, like a toddler. We pretend that we don't hear and do what we want to do. And it's not just when we do wrong things to hurt people. And it's not just when we say wrong things to hurt people. But even the Bible says about the thoughts of our heart can be off from God's standard. Can be deviated from what God wants us to do. Is, is in rebellion to what God says. And in fact, also, it gets even worse. <laughs> that even, so you don't always have to even do something. Sometimes if you're supposed to do something and you don't do it, that also is sin. We're kind of doomed, really. <laughs> We're kind of in trouble. We all have these sins. It's insidious and it's deep in us. And the more that we do it, the more enslaved and entangled and wrapped up we are. Uh, a quick story. So uh, you, some of you might have experienced this in different ways in your life. Those of you with young children, who had young children who are big now, have you ever been in the room? There's biscuits or sweeties or chocolate on the table. There's the little, the little one is in the same room as the biscuits and the sweeties or the chocolate. You exit the room. You come back into the room. Sweeties, chocolate, snacks are gone. But young baby child has crumbs, <laughs> chocolate stains, mess all over their clothes. And then he said, what happened to the biscuits? What happened to the chocolate? Did you eat it? No. <laughs> Where do you go from there? <laughs> uh, so who did eat it then? Uh, uh, a robber came in the window and ate the chocolate. <laughs> Funny example, but uh, it, it's a picture of what we do sometimes. Who in, the, who in this building has ever told a lie? If you didn't put your hand up, you just did. <laughs> have you ever told a lie and then someone calls you on it? And so to cover for that lie, you tell another lie. And then, then someone else is, and then because of that lie and that lie, you have to line up your story and maybe tweak things a little bit for that one, end up telling another lie. And then because of all the lies you told here, someone else calls you tomorrow, and then you have to remember the lie that you told before, and then the lie you told before to that person, and then this lie backs up this lie, and then you're kind of, you're stuck. <laughs> you become all tangled up and twisted up in lies, in deception, under the weight of your own sin, <laughs> and you can't get out. 
See, it starts easy. One lie is easy. The Israelites were invited into Egypt. But eventually, you're there long enough, you find when you try to untangle all the lies and try to get out, you, you're actually stuck. This is what sin does to us. When the things that we do, the things that we say, the desires of our heart, they entangle us and trap us and ended up ruling over us like Pharaoh, keeping us in prison and slaved to sin. Romans 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. So there's a consequence for those sins. There's a consequence for those actions. We can't just get all tangled up in there. There is a punishment to pay. There is a judgment. There is an end point. And we will be held account for every time we've deviated from the path, missed the target, rebelled against what God has said. But today is Good Friday. Today is Good Friday. Today is Good Friday. And it's good because Jesus died to free us from that sin. So just as the Israelites, when they were trapped in Egypt in sin, and the punishment, the death, the judgment was coming, the blood on the doorpost and the blood on the lintel allowed that judgment and that death to pass over them. So now we as believers, Jesus died on the cross demonstrate. Jesus died on the cross and his blood shed for us on the cross. His body broken, the wounds, that blood that seeped from his body from the whips and the beating and the spear, that blood can cover us so that the weight of our sins and the judgment we deserve can pass over us and go to the firstborn son, Jesus Christ. The Son of God, firstborn of all creation, through his blood shed, became like that doorway of safety that we can run into Christ and be safe. Hallelujah. 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 Because of the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus became the Holy Lamb. So as the lambs were slaughtered, Jesus was beaten and bruised. His blood leaked and applied to the cross so we can be free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sorry, I get excited because I have freedom in Jesus. Hallelujah. Through his blood, we can be forgiven, cleansed, and the power of sin broken. There's another picture in the Old Testament. This is an amazing picture. And uh, when the, the Israelites came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness and God was giving them the law, there was a particular law about slavery. So now, slavery wasn't the same as slavery in Egypt, but they had a system where if you had a large debt and you were poor and you couldn't afford to pay the debt back, then you could basically give yourself as a servant or a slave to the person you owed the debt to. And you could work the maximum for seven years or until the debt was paid and then you would go free. So it was, a, it was classed as slavery, but it was more like an indentured servitude to pay off a debt. Yeah? So there's situations where send of the seven years, you can go free, you've done your term, if you didn't want to go free, there was a particular thing that you would do to prove to the world and show the world you wanted to remain in that master's house. So in Exodus chapter 23, verse 3, the master would take the slave who could be free but now is choosing to stay in slavery and they would put their ear against the wooden doorpost 
and they would take a tool called an owl and either push or hammer it through their ear into the door as a sign that that person wanted to remain not in their own freedom and their own rights, but as a slave or as a servant to that household. Do you see the picture? Do you see the picture? You get it, you get it. I can feel it, you get it. Do you see the picture? Again, the doorposts. Jesus was nailed to the cross. He chose willingly to become a slave, to symbolically take on our slavery, to take on that bondage. He symbolically took it on so that we can be free. So that we can be free. Hallelujah. He was nailed to the cross to symbolize becoming a slave so that we can be free. And his blood was shed on the cross so that the death that we deserved would pass over. So through the cross, through the blood of Jesus, through the nails that he bore, we have forgiveness from sin. We have uh, freedom from the bondage of sin. And then Jesus brings us into his kingdom, new identity, new hope, new purpose, and life for the future. Amen. It's a good Friday. It's a good Friday. Hallelujah. So now we've explained why the blood and why the nails. I wonder if there's anyone in the house today who isn't a Christian, who isn't a believer. Um, When God called Moses, he said to him, I've heard the cries of my people in Egypt. And I really sense today, God hears your cries today. He hears your cries today. He hears that sense, that longing for something more. He hears and he sees the way of the actions, the consequences, the life that you're living in that is against God and that you become trapped and wrapped up in and he wants to set you free. The Lord is calling you today through the cross, through the death and sacrifice of Jesus to come to freedom, to come to life. He has identity for you as his child, as an heir, as a a son or a daughter of, of of the Lord, to receive righteousness, receive forgiveness, to receive cleansing. This can be a good Friday for you too. This, this, what, other, what better day to give your life to Jesus than today? What better day to be free from sin than the day we recognize and remember when Jesus died and paid the price for us to be free, for that very freedom that you can experience today? So real quick, if, if there is anyone in the room, um, I pray that the Lord is touching your heart. Maybe this is that stirring sermon that's uh, making you feel a bit uncomfortable, reminding you of stuff, stirring your heart. But the Lord is calling you today. I really believe that he wants you to be free. He hears your cries. He sees you. He knows you. You are loved. And can I have the worship team up, please? And there might be people in the house today who are Christians, who are believers. Um, we celebrate, have surrendered to Jesus, repented, turned to God, give Jesus our life. But when the Israelites came out of Egypt, uh, there's many stories, many times when a little bit of pressure was applied and the first thing they wanted to do was run back to slavery. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we can be free, but we still have a slave mentality. And in uh, John 8, verse 36, Jesus declared, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Jesus did, this is what Jesus went through. This is the price he paid for you to have freedom. 
So God doesn't want you to be in bondage to anything, to be enslaved to anything. And some of us, we might be enslaved to fear. And we look at society, we look at the pandemic, we look at all that's going on, and it'd be easy to be afraid. We see the high rates of depression and anxiety in our young people, in our society. But Jesus died so we can be free from fear. Hallelujah. Some of us might be slaves to habits and addictions. It's something that controls us, controls our mood, controls what we do when we go up and when we go down. Don't be touching things, we're in things, in environments, in places where we don't need to be. And we're addicted, we feel like we can't break free. But the blood of Jesus was shed for your freedom. Hallelujah. Some of us are like me, like I used to be, slaves to the opinion of others. So we're controlled by what other people think of us. I can't do this because they'd say that. I can't honor God, I can't pray, I can't do this, I can't walk, I can't serve God as I want to because these people would think this. But God wants us to be free today. Jesus died so you can have freedom. Some of us might be slaves to the shame and the guilt of our past. And it's like a chain that locks us. So we feel we can't go forward. That God, does God really love us? Can we go forward in ministry? Can we serve? Can we do all the things in our heart? Because we are chained and shackled by the things we did in our past. The things that we had done or been done to us. But Jesus died on the cross. He suffered shame. So that we can have his glory, have freedom, and walk in the forgiveness and the fullness of life that he's called you to. And some people, maybe you're a slave or trapped under the weight of bitterness and unforgiveness. So you think of a certain person or you see a person, your mood shifts and changes. I can't be in the same room as them. I can't talk to them. The person may have even passed on, but they're still controlling your life from beyond the grave because you've not been able to let go. But today, there is freedom. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The blood of Jesus. He was nailed to the cross for your freedom. His blood was shed for your deliverance. And um, the worship team are going to go, and I, I feel there needs to be a response to this. It's Good Friday. Jesus has done too much. He wants us to come in. People need, some people need to come into Jesus for safety. Some people might need uh, some freedom, some deliverance, might need prayer. I don't know. We need to respond. So as the worship team continue, feel free to come to the front and to respond. Feel free to come to the front and respond. What's God saying to you? But through the cross, there is freedom for you today in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus.